comes forward with allegations that he was sexually molested by Michael Jackson while visiting the Neverland Ranch. His parents claimed to keep the secret under wraps because they loved his music so much. just leave him alone. All Michael ever wanted to do was make people happy. That's all he wanted to do. You know, people don't know what happened between him and those kids. They weren't there. They're just a bunch of jealous haters. I hate people who say bad things about Michael Jackson. I fucking hate haters. I hate my neighbors. Welcome to Rage Worth Watching, where we're working our way through the history of films that rage against the machine. Today, we're discussing the 2011 film God Bless America, directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. I'm your host, and, well, I absolutely hated this movie and almost didn't get past the first 15 minutes. My co-host is Guy, and who knows, he might feel completely differently. Hello, Guy. Hello, Ron. So, seen any good movies lately? Well, actually, uh, I wouldn't say that this is entirely a good movie, but I don't think I disliked it as much as you. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to take a, a different approach to this one today. And, and honestly, it, it started off because I really didn't like the first 15 minutes of this movie. In fact, I <laughs> almost turned it off. And then it was kind of on parole for a while. And then there was a point where it became a little more watchable. And we can talk about that for me anyway. <laughs> so... Rather than doing our normal full-length walkthrough, because the other part of this, honestly, and, and this is actually, I think, the good outcome of this, which is, thinking about it, I realize that now that we're coming close to the end of our Rage Against the Machine films, we've seen a whole bunch of these, and all the elements in this film are there in these other films, and I thought it would be interesting to contrast this film's approach, and several of the other films that we have talked about. Yeah. Although I don't know that I can remember any of them. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll try. So here is my very brief walkthrough <laughs> of the film. We have this guy, Frank. He works in an insurance company, and he has noisy neighbors, and he can't get to sleep. And they have a very loud baby. And Frank fantasizes about shooting them. And I'm going to say there's actually a lot of stuff in here that I kind of sympathize with. So it's not about the politics for me or it's not even about some of the fantasies. It's just about how it was approached. So, you know, I've had, for example, years where there was a guy living above me in an apartment who would play electric guitar all day long. And literally on the weekend, it was so loud, I would just have to leave, right? And just come back and three hours later and hope he was done. And if he wasn't done, I'd have to go out and find something else to do <laughs> because it was just, I couldn't deal with it. You know, having this electric guitar constantly playing. Yeah. So did I fantasize about things? Sure. And then, you know, before him, there was a couple who had these dogs and the dogs would bark all day long. And did I fantasize about, you know, putting poison in the dog food? <laughs> Not sure. You know? <laughs> but Here's here's where this turned me off right up front. Well, and, and I'll, I'm going to do a digression right up front also, which is I think a very important rule about movies. This is my own rule. I don't I know if anybody else has this rule. Is the first things you show in the very first couple minutes of the film, they set the base level for the rest of the film. I really started thinking about this with the movie 12 Monkeys, if you remember that. I, I think I saw a part of it a long time ago. But, uh, I, I can't say I know anything about it, really. 
Twelve Monkeys was directed by Terry Gilliam, and he's someone I really like. And by the way, we absolutely should watch it at some point. If you if you haven't seen it or don't remember, we we definitely should watch it. It is a movie where Bruce Willis shows up, and he seems to be like a crazy guy talking about the future, and in fact, I think how there's going to be a big pandemic, and people don't know whether to take him seriously. Obviously, he. You know, do you take someone seriously when they say they're from the future and all this, right? <laughs> and it's an interesting movie, and, and we definitely um, should check it out. But here's the thing that really struck me was after, right when it was coming out, Terry Gilliam did an interview with Charlie Rose. Amusingly, we talked about that in our network episode. Or we talked about Charlie Rose in our network episode with mm-hmm. Nick Gillespie. And he said, well, here's the thing, you know. Until this certain point in the movie, you don't know if he's crazy or not. You know, you don't know if he's really from the future or not. I was like, wait, no, we absolutely know he's from the future because the very first scene of the film is him in the future. <laughs> so when he comes back from the future to, the pre- to, to our present and, and starts trying to warn people, as watchers of this film, we've seen him in the future, so we know he's from the future. And it was yeah. just a critical mistake of Terry Gilliam to think that the viewer is sitting there saying, well, I wonder if he's crazy or not. It's like, no, we're not thinking <laughs> that at all. Right? So that's a little bit weird of a contrast to this. But the reason I think about it is one of the very first things that happens in this film that really turned me off is he fantasizes about shooting the people next door who are causing all the noise. And as part of that, you know, he comes in with a shotgun in his fantasy. And the woman holds her infant in front of her and actually holds her infant up. So we're talking about literally like, you know, a one-year-old or less infant. Yeah, it's a human shield. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, that human shield thing is part of the whole humans are disgusting thing, which no mother on the planet would do what she did. But we can get there. Anyway, so she holds it up. And because she's holding the baby like in front of her and kind of above her head, we see him raise his shotgun as if he were skeet shooting, right? Mm-hmm. And he shoots the infant. I mean, we don't we don't see the infant being shot, but we see the blood coming from it. Yeah, and, and the mother is covered in blood. Hmm. And at this point, I wanted to turn the movie off, and I did not want to watch mm-hmm. it anymore. <laughs> okay, because I don't want to see an infant get shot. I don't blame the infant for oh, crying, sure. and I don't. And and it's not that I'm against like excessive violence. I love the John Wick films right Mm -hmm. which are full of excessive violence but they're among adults who are all playing the game right Mm -hmm. i thought it was interesting i mean there aren't a lot of movie makers who would show a guy shooting an infant even if you don't actually see the infant get it but uh yeah i mean it's certainly not morally commendable but uh (laughs) I also, I, I suspected that this was kind of like a fantasy or, you know, that sort of thing as it was going on. Right. I mean, it, yeah, it's obviously a fantasy, works. but even still. So here's, here is another analogy. There is this TV show which had Michelle Forbes in it. And she is a woman, I think I watched the TV show because she was in Star Trek uh, as a guest role in a few episodes and she was very popular in fact i think they offered her a permanent role in star trek and she turned it down because she wanted to be a serious actress and didn't feel that star trek met that later on she was in battlestar galactica the remake in the pegasus series uh, 
arc of that, which is really, really interesting. And she's a great actress and, and really good. But anyway, so she's in this series, I believe, uh, looking up on Wikipedia here, I believe it's called In Treatment. And it's about the psychotherapist, you know, treating people with mental problems. Well, what happened in the very first episode of this series is that sometime in the first few minutes, there is, I think, a crazy guy or something who grabs a needle and he stabs it into the abdomen, the bare abdomen of a pregnant woman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think kills the baby as a result. Hmm. And as I recall, <laughs> people who tracked ratings and everything said, everybody turned off their TV <laughs> at that point huh. when they saw a needle go into a pregnant woman's belly and kill the fetus. Everybody turned off the show and, you know, the show did not last long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just comes back to my, I think when your first thing you show is, is, is this brutal killing of an infant as if you were skeet shooting and there's all this blood and everything. You've now set the tone for the movie, and that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Well, it does kind of set the tone for the movie. <laughs> yeah. It kind of backs off after that. Yeah, and I'm belaboring that. And I think it would also, I think in terms of a directorial choice, again, just all this thing I'm talking about, about the first thing you do, if he led up to that somehow, mm. it would probably be a different matter. But when yeah. that's the very first thing you do, anyway, that's, that's what it, where it put me in the mindset. <laughs> but it's just a fantasy. Although the next morning, you know, he's trying to get his car out, and there's the same asshole neighbors have um, parked their car in a way that he can't get out. And so, of course, you know, we, we'll talk about this like falling down. Of course, everybody else on the planet is being rude to him. <laughs> then, you know, we find out about, I mean, he's divorced. So, again, falling down. <laughs> uh, we, you know, and, and it turns out that. His daughter is, you know, being very, um, she refused to talk to him and she's being a very modern sort of, you know, yelling at her parents, insisting they make her happy kind of, kind of kid. Yeah. And then he finds out he has terminal cancer and he's about to die. <laughs> oh, he gets fired first. Sorry. You know, he gets fired, uh, because, and actually I can, again, I can relate to this cause not exactly mm -hmm. this, but I've had some situations I had to deal with that were not dissimilar. He's trying to be nice to a woman at work and, you know, she has a bad day. So he looks up her address online and sends her some roses and all this, you know. Yeah, he, lo he looked it up in the company records. Yeah. That was the fireable offense. Yeah. He felt he was just trying to be nice. And obviously he's interested in this woman. And she had never said anything to him or never acted like there was a problem. But all of a sudden he's pulled in and, and fired for having used company records and harassing this woman. Hmm. Then he goes to his doctor and finds he has terminal cancer. <laughs> and the doctor, what? again, you know, actually no doctor I've ever seen. He's totally bored. You know, he he's talking, he's answering his phone during this meeting, telling Frank that he has terminal cancer. <laughs> this is how Breaking Bad uh, got started. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, once you find out that uh, you're done for, you may as well do all kinds of wacky stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, his decision, I mean, first he's going to kill himself, but then um, literally while his gun is in his mouth, he's he's seeing this reality TV teen star teenager on TV who's being really obnoxious to her parents because they, you know, bought her a surprise car for her birthday, but it was the wrong kind of car, and so now she hates <laughs> them. and. You know, suddenly he realizes he doesn't want to kill himself. He wants to kill her. So this is, 
Literally what he does, he goes and finds her and kills her in her car. And in the process of killing her, there's a 16-year-old girl who witnesses the murder and loves what he's doing and hunts him down later in his hotel room. Not clear how she found him. I don't think that that's important. But, and they end up becoming Bonnie and Clyde, right? Uh, you know, the, almost literally because he refuses to sleep with her, even though she wants that. And that kind of ties mm-hmm. again back into Bonnie and Clyde. And then they go yeah. through the whole Bonnie and Clyde cycle. And then they die at the end. And that's the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's in a nutshell. <laughs> so... I don't want to shortchange it with that that very short thing. That's why I wanted to get to kind of contrast with other films. But before we get to that, I mean, just based on my attitude and what I've been saying, do you have any uh, reactions or or uh, anything you you know get your opinion in here? You know, the sixteen year old girl and and there's the other sixteen year old girl that he kills. Yeah. So I mean, it does go. It's it's a little better than killing a baby, I guess, but it's still. Uh, that's like if you're playing, uh, say, one of the 3D Fallout games, they, they actually will not let you kill kids. In, mm. you know, a lot a lot of video games there. Right. Almost all well, video games. I'll say kind of not, not nearly as much as the killing of the infant, but the second thing that really turned me off in the movie is that the 16-year-old that's with Frank, her name is Roxy, they have a conversation and realize the next step after having killed Chloe, the reality star teenager is to kill Chloe's parents because, you know, they were terrible parents. Yeah. So they go to her house. She's supposed to stay in the car. She's not supposed to be involved. And Frank goes in and he shoots the father and fails to shoot the mother because his gun malfunctions, which is, a uh, you know, realistic at least. <laughs> the mother runs into the kitchen and then we get this kind of, you know, shot cut or whatever where it turns out she's run right into this huge butcher knife that roxy was holding because she had come in because she wanted to be part of all this so she's now excited because she killed somebody and just the way that was executed again i just found it very unpleasant oh here's a 16 year old who just thrust a butcher knife into the stomach of this woman and part of and (laughs) part of the reason i did not want to do a full walkthrough of this not that we're really avoiding it I didn't want to write down and talk about this stuff. I, mean, I just find it very unpleasant. Yeah, that's fair. In a way, and this is why one of the reasons I want to talk about these other films, in a way that I have not with the other films, right? Hmm. Yeah, it is uh, It is unpleasant, uh, you know, especially you know, the, the, the killing scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it didn't really, uh, didn't really bother me that much, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, for compared to, like, when I was in the 1980s, that was kind of a, uh, a renaissance when I was in high school. It was kind of uh, the golden age of gory movies. Mm. <laughs> and I used to eat them up. And now I don't have much of a stomach for that. The gore in this, I mean, it didn't really, uh, it didn't bother me too much. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we had a different reaction. So, well, let's talk through some of how this contrasts with other films. So, I put... Of the list of films I thought touched on this, I put Falling Down at the top because obviously very similar, right? You have the white guy who politically different, but, you know, is annoyed by things Mm. and shooting people 
The impression that I had uh, from what I had read about this in the past was that it was sort of the the left wing falling down. And right. uh, to some extent, uh, it is. Of course, falling down, we get the little twist uh, as we go along where we find out that the main character uh, isn't just your normal everyday guy. You know, he's got right. his own disturbed things going on. Right. And the way I would but, describe it is I, I think... God Bless America is what I thought Falling Down was going to be. Ah, yeah. And Falling Down turned out to be something, you know, more complex and different. Now, you know, there are other differences. I mean, I complained a lot about a lot of the acting in Falling Down. There's no bad acting in God Bless America. And actually, the two main actors really put themselves out there and take it seriously. And I don't have any problem with them. And yeah, I thought they were actually both uh, pretty good. I was uh, I was really surprised. I liked them. <laughs> right. Yeah, and the girl is really good. And one of the things, though, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just going to be me complaining about this movie episode. But <laughs> That's fine. One of the things that I did not like in terms of execution is, well, you know, there's this old joke, right? Like, there's no subtext here. There's only text, right? Mm-hmm. Chunks of this movie are just Bobcat Goldthwait or Andrew the writer. And I didn't look up for if he wrote it or not, but just lecturing at you, you know, either lecturing about yeah. what's going on. Although it's, it's funny that for as much as I expected it to be a very left wing show, and there is, there is some left wing messaging, uh, quite a bit of it. But uh, uh, on the other hand, most of it's more stuff that a lot of people could find hmm. common ground with, you know, complaining about just general rudeness or yeah people talking in movie theaters, like people right. yeah people who use literally when they mean figuratively <laughs> but it is a little bit obtrusive because it, it happens a lot where they're just basically talking about the, their pet peeves you know and and going with lists of stuff maybe they're trying to comment on it i don't think they're totally unaware of it but the idea that you know they get to the point where it's like, well, it's okay for us to kill someone if they, you know, eat noisily at the dinner table or something because we don't like that, right? And, but one of the, so the whole reason I got on this little ramp is one of the things that annoyed me is there is a point, so we have this strong young woman who's very mouthy and clever hmm. and clearly the director was like, well, this is just like Juno, so we better say something about that. So there's a yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the lampshading. Because yeah. the timing was funny, too, because like a minute before they brought up Juno, I was thinking, yeah, I've never even seen the movie Juno, but I've read <laughs> enough about it. I have an idea of mm -hmm. you know, the gestalt. So, uh, you know, like a minute before they brought up Juno, uh, I was thinking, oh, this girl is kind of Juno-like. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and then, and then so I think he called, the Frank calls her Juno, and then she's like, oh, I hate it when people call me Juno. And I'm just like, okay, I heard you, the director. You know, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think that, uh, you know, a difference for me between Falling Down and this is that at the end, instead of getting a speech from Michael Douglas about the state of the world, we discover that Michael Douglas is a really pathetic, you know, mentally ill person. Mm -hmm. And here at the end, we just get 
again, the director's speech about everything that's wrong. And then they, you know, they're going to kill all these people and all this. And, and they do, and they kill all sorts of people until they get shot by the, by the police in the end. So the other, I think, huge similarity, and they talk about it right in the beginning of the movie, because this is a movie that's just going to tell you, you know, whatever's going on, right? So right in the beginning of the movie, Frank makes a Bonnie and Clyde reference. Mm, and, they, yeah. and she is actually dressed up kind of like someone like that. And they, yeah, and, she yeah. got herself a black beret, and she got, a, she got Frank a, an old brown fedora. So they're really trying to go for the Bonnie and Clyde look. Yeah, and once again, I guess he can't avoid it, but it's just like, oh, well, we better talk about Bonnie and Clyde because that's what we're doing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You couldn't let it just be there. You couldn't even let it just be that she had this hat on that kind of would remind you of that. You actually had to have the conversation. I think that's the part that goes the extra step for me, right? You actually had to say, look, we look like Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, really? I didn't notice. (laughs) Yeah, they had to hang a, hang a lampshade on it. So, yeah. There are a lot of similarities because they do, they don't have sex. And Bonnie and Clyde, you know, except for one key point in the movie, don't have sex. But, you know, the di- what I would say is, for me, the difference between this and Bonnie and Clyde is in Bonnie and Clyde, the process of the movie is collecting this small community of people. And so you have other characters that you can cut away to and have little stories with and everything. Right. And we don't have that here, right? This is just the two of them. Yeah. The gang keeps growing and Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So here we just have the two of them. They come to a somewhat similar ending. (laughs) Probably a lot of bullet holes. Yeah. Yeah, Although uh, in this case, they actually sort of, uh, whereas Bonnie and Clyde, it was, more ignominious. They they basically they're in the car and bam! All of a sudden, cops come out of the bushes and give them what for. But in uh, in this movie, uh, you know, they actually sort of go out in a blaze of glory, so to speak. Right. You know, they're shooting up the whole TV studio, and then the cops take them down. But very very similar still. See, so then we have Thelma and Louise, which we had already commented how similar Thelma and Louise is to Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. So Thelma and Louise is an interesting contrast because even though it's they follow the Bonnie and Clyde template, it is different from both Bonnie and Clyde and this movie because Thelma and Louise starts with a murder. Unintended, but still uh, not totally innocent murder. Right. And from there, they go on to do crazy things, but they don't kill other people, right? I mean, they don't escalate mm. from there where... With both Bonnie and Clyde and and this movie, you know, the first killing is sort of the the start of a of a spree, right? (laughs) You know, they get more and more into killing people once they do it. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde shoot all those police officers at the hotel, and they yeah they they do a lot of killing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where in Thelma and Louise, it's more about how their lives kind of well both improve and fall apart as a result of that one initial killing, right? Mm-hmm. So then we have Network, where there's, you know, I think the similarities because of the speeches, right? I mean, Network has the speeches, and this has those kind of speeches. And what what mm-hmm. do you think about uh, the the similarities or differences there? I mean, for me, uh, a big similarity was the similarity in the 
in the media and, and probably even more so with idiocracy, which we didn't put on our list. It's not really strictly a rage movie, but, mm-hmm. but anyway, idiocracy has a lot of those parodies of just, uh, how stupid television in particular can be. And, uh, and you get a lot of that in this movie. And that was, I, I thought that was pretty much, a pretty much on the nose. They really captured, uh, everything that's hateful about <laughs> modern television. <laughs> it's interesting too, because most of the stuff in this movie discusses, it's taking a slightly different tack. I think the network did like network was more about, um, dehumanization about people just becoming, you know, interchangeable. You know, mm-hmm. I think, uh, interchangeable is piston rods. I think the mm-hmm. line was where in, in this, it's more about simple civility. I think mm-hmm. he, he's, you know, Frank in particular, he, he just sees everything getting more and more rude and crass, which is uh, a valid point, but it, he's not, it seems he, that's the only thing he seems to mention. Or mm-hmm. if he, if he senses that that is tied to a deeper rot, you know, like a kind of spiritual rot. He doesn't really dwell right. on that as much as just the uh, as just the veneer of civilization wearing away, kind of. But yeah, it is in as much as it's kind of a, a satire about what uh, what's wrong with modern society. There's definitely uh, there's some relation to network, <laughs> and uh, as as I mentioned, I was very surprised with the with the movie's reputation as being left wing mm-hmm. there was you'd get bits of it here and there you know and of course the the villains are your typical left wing villains like the religious fundamentalists yeah, yeah. and the uh, the fox news type commentator and so on you know so so i mean that's there there's definitely a bit of it here but but that's not really the main focus of it it seems yeah uh, it's it's more just about the coarseness of society today. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say it's not political like network, but what you're saying reminds me, I mean, there is that little thread of politics where you essentially have your Fox network and you're, and they kill one of the, you know, hosts uh, on that. And, and of course, and I'm going to say this is one of the things that just never works for me in these films where it's like, Oh, you know, the other side's evil and I'm going to prove it to you. So, so of course when they shoot, the Fox host and he falls down, but he's not dead. You know, he acts like the total asshole that you would expect. And there's nothing, you know, nothing deeper to him than of course, what their conception of him was. Yeah. But on the whole, it's not political. Like you say, I mean, network was very political and network was about the structure. And I I think that a criticism I'd have here and I've had um, in some of our previous films um, is you know, network was about who's running things and what's going on and what impact is that having on you, right? Mm-hmm. This film was like, oh, I don't like how things are. I'm now going to shoot random people, workers, innocent people, just trying to do their job or on the street. I'm not, you know, even, I mean, and Fight Club next on the list, right? Fight Club mm-hmm. killed a lot of people, <laughs> presumably. <laughs> But they did have this purpose to shut down the credit card companies for however good or silly or bad that is, right? I mean, they were 
Mm-hmm. They were fighting the system. Yeah. And, and they said yeah. that they, they got all the people out of the building. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, of course that's always the excuse when you're blowing up the building, right? Yeah. We got it. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, they were fighting the system and I, it really struck me at the very end. So, um, you know, the end, which again, I, I assume was an intentional, um, you know, call back to network. Uh, he goes to the, to one of these, um, movie studio or TV studios that's doing a, you know, America's Got Talent takeoff, yeah, right? Yeah, um, it's called American Superstars yeah. or something like that. There's a whole thread through there where they're kind of making fun of this sort of mentally ill person who's trying to sing, and then he kind of becomes a big star. And there's a couple of things about that. One is that, you know, shooting people in the audience of this reality show is not, you know, fighting the system. And the other <laughs> is, at first, he... Frank throughout the movie, because in the days that the movie takes place over, and maybe it takes place over a week or two or something, this sort of mentally ill, untalented singer has been made fun of on this show, and then he becomes a big star because of how bad he is, right? Right. Frank is upset because people are making money off of making fun of this guy, which I understand. I actually agree with. I do not like to watch shows that make fun of people for, you know, not being as good as they think they are, probably because I'm not as good as I think I am, so I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) And, but, you know, in the course of the final scene, because this guy had, the singer, like a day or two before, had tried to kill himself, and Frank assumes it was because of how he was being treated, and he's protecting this guy, right? He's going to shoot everybody else, but he's not going to shoot this guy. All right. And then the guy tells him, well, no, wait, I wasn't, I didn't try to kill myself because of how I was being treated. I, I tried to kill myself because they told me they were going to take me off of TV. And so, of course, what happens, you know, Frank kills him, right? Because he's now, the mentally ill guy has now had the wrong opinion, so he gets killed first. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just. <laughs> yeah, man. I would be a lot more offended by the movie if I had a sense that it was really trying to say, uh, this is the way to do it. These are yeah. good people shooting all these people up. But I, I I, just took it as a larger-than-life kind of uh, goofy. <laughs> you know, if I were in a different frame of mind when I had watched the movie, I might have been considerably more offended by it. But uh, <laughs> as it was, I just kind of, you know... It, Certainly won't be one of my all-time favorites, but I thought it was fun. I, it kept me interested. And, you know, there there wasn't really too much that really stood out about it. I mean, there are a lot of little details that I thought were done nicely, like uh, just the the overall presentation of it. It's a fairly good-looking movie, I yeah. thought. And uh, the like the location scouting, I don't think they did a whole lot of actual production design you know maybe like that american superstar set they made mm-hmm. some signs for it and stuff but but mostly you know it was sort of i think just locations they scouted and they picked they picked good ones that that fit in with the story and looked good on the screen and uh so i mean there's i think there's there's considerable i guess you could say craft that, that went mm-hmm. into the movie um and i i got a got a kick out of it yeah i won't say it's one of my one of my favorites, but I, I liked it uh, mildly, like because <laughs> I I expected I would detest it, and you're the one who ended up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
I think the saving grace of the film, the thing that did not, that kept me from turning it off, (laughs) is that the two main actors have chemistry with each other. And there is a little bit, you know, a little bit of an extra story there. I mean, one of the challenges here, I think, just unlike the other films we've talked about, the other films we've talked about all had other things going on. They had complexities that were impacting stuff, you know, like in the case of um, Thelma and Louise, with Thelma's, you know, boyfriend showing up and giving them the cash that they need. And I mean, there was just all these little extra elements and there's just none of that here i mean it's just they run around and shoot people and then they get shot in the end and there's no <laughs> there's no extra characters there's no other plot lines you know there's no no complexity to it i mean you know other than oh i guess i should mention that um at the end he discovers that the doctor had been looking at the wrong results for him and he's not really going to die oh yeah and then he wants, yeah. they had talked about going to France and now he really wants to go to France with her because he, you know, now that he's going to live, but then they have a fight and they get to separate. Anyway, then, 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 then they go do their shootout at the, yeah, you know, but that was, it just, it was just not, I mean, it kept me, it was, it made me able to watch the film and finish the film, uh-huh. but it just paled in comparison to the other stuff we've seen. And <laughs> feel always and what i always come back to in, in many films like this is it feels like the first draft right it feels like your starting point like mm-hmm. oh i'm mad about all these things i'm mad about people talking in theaters i'm mad about reality and television or whatever so i'm going to write this script but i mm-hmm. think you know great scripts and great movies are the ones that then take that to the next level right they do two or three iterations beyond that and they become something more than just, you know, cause, again, one of those old cliches, right? If you have a message, send it by Western Union, <laughs> you know, not yeah, by making yeah. a movie. <laughs> uh, uh, and yeah, so I think it's fine if you point. start with a message, but by the time you're done, the message should be practically invisible. Yeah. And you should have discovered a story in the process. Mm. That's my argument. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're right. It's, um, it's definitely not... A sophisticated, multi-layered plot. You know, it's uh, it's they go out and kill people at the end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I did find it fun overall. It kept me interested. I, I actually, um, uh, you know, I was afraid it was going to be real tedious. It's not a super long. It's like an hour and forty-four minutes. So it's uh, you know, it's it's a long enough, but not too long. But uh. I was afraid that it was going to be kind of tedious and it ended up not being that for me. It ended up, uh, I, I found it quite watchable. Hmm. Well, I think we already know my opinion. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot then. Does it actually rise to worth watching for you? (laughs) I'd say worth watching once just (laughs) if you're in the mood for it, it's got, it's got some amusing humor in it. You know, we complained about the, uh, the lists of pet peeves and whatnot, but uh, but there there are some there are some genuinely amusing moments in it. I thought, and uh, the actors, like you said, they've got good chemistry. They've got just they they just fit well in the roles. And um, I won't say much. It's it's more thoughtful than I expected it to be. I expected <laughs> it to be very very, you know balls to the wall here's here's the right message 
it's a little more nuanced than that. I won't, I won't go overboard in praising the nuance, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's not compared to the monster I'd created in my mind. It's actually much, much better than that. <laughs> okay. Well, so there you have it for our listeners, <laughs> two points of view on this. I'm going to say, don't bother to watch it. You've already heard enough about it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh or you can take guys advice. That's fine. But, it, and, and I will agree, unlike many films that I've seen, uh, it's not tedious. It's not, um, well, it's tedious in the sense that, oh, we're just going to shoot up another bit. But it's it's reasonably well executed, has good acting. Now, I will say, you know, uh, America agreed with me <laughs> because this film <laughs> made $123,000 in the U.S. Oh, which, boy. That doesn't Man, cover your catering fee. Yeah. <laughs> now, it made, yeah. made a little bit more overseas, but about twice that overseas. But, yeah, that I mean, that what that tells me, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you interviewed people, if, if you heard the same things I was saying, like right in the beginning about killing the baby. It tells me that nobody was telling their friends to go see this. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I don't know how many theaters it even debuted. Oh, very, very small been. numbers, you know. Yeah. Like 15 theaters or something. Yeah, they, probably, they may have had some distribution issues. But again, that kind of probably yeah. comes back to distributors. You know, and I'm making all this up. I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me if distributors are like, yeah, we're not doing this. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, when you, when you shoot a baby in the first half hour, that's... Uh... <laughs> I can see some people being uh, deterred by Now, it's that. funny because, well, that really turned me off. Uh, Roger Ebert did not like the film at all, but he said the beginning was the best part. It's <laughs> <was> like, okay. <laughs> okay, we have different views on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the beginning, uh, aside from the baby. Well, was, I think that that's what he's talking was, about. He was saying, oh, wow, that, that was such an amazing, you know, Gut punch of a beginning, like okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it could be. I, I, what I liked about the beginning was that sort of uh, medley of all the crap TV shows. I, I thought that was, <laughs> uh, I guess you'd say, pitch perfect. You know, it was yeah. just uh, awful. I mean, it showed the awfulness of some right. of the stuff that's out there. However, I will, I will defend uh, reality cooking shows. Uh, the you know, I like the cooking Ooh. shows, and they actually oh, mention. Sure. They actually talk about uh, Survivor at some point, and Survivor was a really interesting show when it started, right? It was kind of a revelation that sort of kicked off uh, the modern reality TV series thing in the U.S. I don't think I ever watched it, but my my theory about reality shows is that they just deliberately pick people who are going to be at odds with each other and who <laughs> probably have some very glaring character flaws right. you know maybe they'll throw in a couple nice people to balance it out or just you know give you the good right. guy to root for or something but i i haven't even watched enough reality tv <laughs> to speak uh, with well, some educated this what you're saying is 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 definitely true and especially in the beginning they would do that and i'm sure you know they do it now actually oh my god I, you're giving me flashbacks now to this movie when, some of what they're showing when the woman takes out her tampon and throws it the other woman. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to talk about. This. I don't want to talk about this um, <laughs> again. This is just like stuff I don't want to see or talk about. But that was that wasn't really graphic either. I mean, at least I mean it just like it's for a second. So yeah, I, I know really just like the concept, but the idea of it. Yeah, yeah. But and there's uh, something called if you've ever heard this phrase, the villain edit which is mm. 
what they do, you know, they've taken, when you're doing one of these reality shows, you know, they've got a gazillion hours of footage of you, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter who you are, what you've said, what you've done. They have to tell a story. Yeah. So if nothing really happened and it was kind of boring, they have to tell an interesting story because they need people to tune in each week. So what they do is they cut that footage and they decide for the series, you know, the season as a whole and for individual episodes, who's the villain. Mm, yeah. And once they decide who the villain is, they then edit that footage to make you the villain. And you right. could be Mother Teresa. It doesn't matter. You're going to be the villain because they got enough footage <laughs> and they can take clips of you looking at this or saying that and mix it with something else. And all of a sudden, you know, what you did or said was terrible. <laughs> you know, yeah. The shows I like, and I'm calling them reality, but it's really they're more competition shows. Right? I like like mm. the cooking competition shows. Yeah. In different different ways. And you know, of course, there's still artificialness to that, and they need to still create drama. But it's a little more tied to reality, and I have fun with them, so I defend those. Oh, sure. <laughs> there was a show I saw at my mom and dad's house that was uh, people trying to make old historical weapons, you know, mm. like Japanese cords and stuff. And it oh, was, uh, it was along forged, the same forged, lines. Forged in Fire? Could have been, yeah. My I, girlfriend uh, and I watched a few seasons of that. It's a really good show, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I the, you know, the episode I saw, I thought it was pretty entertaining. In the, um, in yeah, it was a good example where, and in, and that was a much, uh, I would say, one of the most um, real shows, you know, because it's just about, like, the people get a challenge to create a certain kind of sword or a certain kind of knife, you know, and they have, first they have to just create the blade, then they have to create the handle or whatever, and then, and then the, um, the two, at the end, the two who have survived, right, who haven't been haven't been rejected, then, and this is really unusual and really interesting, they then get a week. They go back to their home, and they get a right. week to make the, you know, the really fancy thing that they're challenged to make, right? It might be yeah, a Civil War sword or something like that. That must have been the show that yeah. I saw, because that, that was how it worked out in that one. Yeah, no, I, I like that show a lot, and... It, and the other thing is that is a very merit-based show. I mean, you're seeing what they're doing and they don't edit that to have a villain, right? I mean, that's what I was talking about. They don't have the villain edit. You're just seeing what people are yeah. doing and whether they survived or not. And then they have these objective tests where they take your blade or whatever and, you know, they try to slash a dummy or a shield or something and they see the impact and then one person's blade will split in half. Well... You can't mm -hmm. fake that. That's what happened. <laughs> so I guess our ending message is uh, watch the the good reality shows, the competition shows, and, and don't watch the ones where they're throwing tampons at each other. <laughs> Amen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, we hope you'll still be willing to join us next week for our next rage-filled film as we reach the end of this season i think i'm i'm running out of rage i'm ready for the i'm ready for the season of rage to be over <laughs> but we have some good yeah. stuff coming up, so. no.
is Frank. That's not important. The important question is, who are you? America has become a cruel and vicious place. We reward the, the shallowest, the dumbest, the meanest, and the loudest. No longer have any common sense of decency. No sense of shame. There's no right and wrong. The worst qualities in people are looked up to and celebrated. Lying, spreading fear are fine, as long as you make money doing it. You become a nation of slogan-saying, bile-spewing hate-mongers. We've lost our kindness. We've lost our soul. And what have we become when we take the, the weakest in our society and we hold them up to be ridiculed, laughed at for our sport and entertainment, laughed at to the point where they would literally rather kill themselves than live with us anymore? Frank? Yeah, Stephen? I didn't try to kill myself because people were making fun of me. I tried to kill myself because they weren't going to put me on TV anymore. <laughs>